0: Hello welcome to Season 2, Episode 28 of Twin Talk MN. I'm Ryan. And I'm Andrew. And today we have a really, really good episode for you. The MLB World Series has started. And I know last time we talked, we didn't even know who would be the National League representative in the World Series, but newsflash, we know it's the Dodgers. We'll tell you how that series is going and talk a little bit about the MLB free agents and NBA The NBA free agency is in full swing, and we're getting ready for the draft. And then the NFL, again, a huge week. Injuries, great teams, bye weeks, coronavirus news, and more. in a great story, but a great birthday of someone that a lot of people have heard of. And let's jump into it. Andrew, how is the MLB World Series faring out? Dodgers race, what's going on? Yeah, Ryan, going into this, I'm pretty sure every single person thought the Dodgers would definitely beat the race. Especially going into the season. F1 thought the Dodgers World Series favorites. And yeah, they're in the World Series. But the Vays said, hey, we're here. We may not be paying our entire team as much as Clayton Kershaw even for this one season. But hey, they are making this chance count. In game one, the Dodgers took it. Game two, the Vays came back and said, ah, we're going to tie this back up. In game three, the Dodgers took it once more. But in game four, last night... It was a great game. The Dodgers jumped out to an early lead with a Justin Turner first inning home run. But then the Vays said, uh uh uh. They started coming back with Randy Avozovida. And might I add, he has just set the major league record for most home runs in the postseason. Granted, this is more games than any postseason MLB history, but he is a rookie. And he has nine home runs in the postseason, hitting his ninth one last night and hitting another RBI. Also, I just want to add, he set the record for most home runs in the postseason by a rookie. Still incredibly impressive, not even in the running for rookie of the year or that high of a draft pick, but incredibly impressive. Yeah, and the Vays were really, really wanting to win last night. First and second comes with, they come up to the plate in the bottom of the ninth inning, down by one Run. It's hit right to center field with two outs. If he catches it, they lose. Or if he gets the guy out at second base, they lose. But it's muffed. Chris Taylor muffs the ball. The run from second scores easily. Tie game. And Randy Rosarina on first base. Can he win the game? He's chugging. He's chugging. He's going to be out by a mile. He's going to be out by a mile. Will Smith, the catcher, gets the ball. And Randy Rosarina, it's just halfway in between the base. Probably going to be out. But then Will Smith misses the ball. He misses the ball. It goes out behind him, hits the umpire's leg. Rays, win. Rays, win. Rays tied the series up 2-2. Two, two. Ryan, game five, I believe, is tonight. Ryan, who you got? Well, we will definitely discuss this at the end of the podcast, but I think it's going to be a great game. The Rays, last night, pitched Ryan Yarbrough. So tonight, I believe that both teams are starting over in the rotation, which means same as game one matchup: Tyler Glasnow versus Clayton Kershaw. It should be a good game. Now, in game one, the Dodgers played a decent amount better in game one, just because they've been there before. But now the Rays hitters are starting to do better. They're averaging more runs per game in the last three games than the first, and their pitching has gotten a lot better. A lot of these pitchers are getting are feeling more comfortable, and Tyler Glasnow, second year player. I think he's going to have a decently good game. But Andrew, let's talk about a little bit of MLB free agency. The two biggest free agents are star pitcher Trevor Bauer and star catcher Jay Tremuto. For Bauer, what do you think are some possible landing points, Andrew? Yeah, fine. What I think are some of the biggest landing points for Bauer are... The New York Yankees. Don't get me wrong. I do not want him to go there. But, sorry. The Yankees have all the money in this season. A big problem for them was their pitching staff. Don't get me wrong. Garrett Cole is probably the best or maybe second best pitcher in all of baseball. But then when you have James Paxton or J.A. Happer, Jordan Malcolm sorry. But that is not going to cut it in this hard A-L with some other really talented teams. So, I have to think that the Yankees may go after him. Also, a Dark Horse team that I think might go after him is the Atlanta Braves, since the pitching staff has been not good at all. Yes, they are getting veteran Ace Mike Svoka back this next year, but hey, Cole Hamlers cannot do anything. Yeah, I think there are two teams that, in my mind, make a decent amount of sense. The first one that makes the most sense is the Miami Marlins. They've had a lot, a lot of money and a lot of draft picks after a couple years ago getting rid of star John Carlos Stan, Christian Yelts, Marcel Ozuna, and at the time, D. Gorn, who has since not been very good. But the Marlins have a lot of money to get rid of, and they don't really have that much of a stock. At the trade deadline, they got Starling Marte, who's one of the top players in the entire league, and I think they have a real shot to make a run. I mean, at the beginning of this year, they were really good, and everyone thought, ah, oh, it's just a fluke, but they kept it up. In the one spot they need, a star starting pitcher, so I think they might go after Bauer. And another team that might go after Bauer is the Phil- is the Philadelphia Phillies. I mean, now that they're getting rid of this big contract for J.T. Ramuto, their star catcher, they need a little bit of starting pitching help. Now, Andrew, give me just one team that might go after J.T. Ramuto. Andrew? Yeah, Vine, I'm definitely not sure which team will go after him. Big up in question. But, just one thing about it. I'd say the Rays may want to go after him. Don't get me wrong. They're probably not. They probably don't have the most money or want to spend that much money, but with veteran catcher Mike Zanino getting up there in age with this very, very young team, and they got a lot of money to spare, maybe get him, they really need a good hitter, so that's who I think. Now, Ron, before we get to all the NFL news, I just want to quickly go over the NBA, yes, the Lakers have still won the finals, I'm still disappointed, but hey, great job to LeBron and Anthony Davis, congratulations, but... Ryan, the draft is so soon. I believe it's only in like three and a half weeks. I cannot wait to see who the Timberwolves take. But Ryan, let's move on to some free agency, okay? We've seen that Giannis Antetokounmpo has already some front runners for teams that won him. The Bucks have really made a push to want to re-sign him. The Mavericks, Dallas Mavericks, would really like to add him as their third star next to Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis. Ryan, any other teams that make a lot of sense Taking Giannis. Well, the Golden State Warriors have said that they're very, very interested. Also, the Phoenix Suns have said they've been looking to add a power forward, such as possibly Giannis or Draymond Green or a different one. But I think that he will, in the end, go back to the Bucks. Don't get me wrong. He didn't win a championship. He's disappointed. But I think the reason why they didn't win is because they didn't have Giannis. When they lost the Heat, the, you remember the Bucks lost that series 4-2. to two. In the two games that the Bucs won, Giannis played the entire game. And then the four they lost, three of them he didn't even start. And in one of them, he was injured and came out halfway through. So I think if the Bucks had, had Giannis, they might be the ones with the crown and the trophy. But I just want to say one more news before I hand it back to Andrew. The NBA has just decided they will start their season on December 22nd. And normally they start their season late November, but since this past season just ended a week ago... They didn't want to start the season just two months after the finals, so December 22nd. Mark your calendars. Andrew? Yeah, Ryan, just real fast before we get to all the NFL news, Ryan, a huge climber in the NBA draft right now is Israeli Small Ford, who I didn't even know who he was until like two weeks ago. Denny uh, DJ is extremely climbing in the draft. The Golden State Warriors, who have the number two pick, or I believe the Charlotte Hornets have the number three pick, maybe the Bulls, have both said that they would love to get him and that if he may fall to them and if Tim Wills don't take him, they would definitely, definitely want to look into him and maybe take him. Ryan, do you think there's any chance that the Tim Wills take this is Israeli phenomenon or do you think we got Lamelo, we got Toppin, or Edwards, or Wiseman? Well, I definitely want to talk about this more when we talk about the Timberwolves later in the podcast, but I'll just say this shortly. Denny Abdijah is a great defensive player, and he may not have the experience, but he's got the work ethic. He's willing to work for it, and he's willing to put in the effort. And personally, I do think that is reputable, and that is good of someone, but probably not for a number one overall pick. But let's move on to the NFL. Andrew, there are so many big takeaways, but first of all, Derek Yeti. Not sure what I'm talking about? That's okay. It's Derek Henry. Star. And when I say star, I don't mean pretty good. I mean a star running back for the Tennessee Titans. And you might think, oh, what'd he do? Maybe 130 yards? Nope. 220 yards. That is the most rushing yards of any player in many, many years. 220 rushing yards. It was nuts. And the Green Bay Packers, who we said were 4-0. They won a up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and and when they played them, they got out to a 10-0 lead, passing the ball well, running the ball well, but then Aaron Rodgers, he gets the ball, he throws it to a wide-open Devontae Adams, who tips it up, and the Buccaneers, who they were playing, intercept the ball, run it back for your touchdown. Okay, okay, Packers are up 10-7 to with the ball, Aaron Rodgers passes it. Again, it's intercepted and taken back, to the two-yard line, where it's ran in for a touchdown on the next play. Okay, okay, 14-10 Buccaneers. Packers have the ball. Punt. Buccaneers go down and score a touchdown. Punt. Buccaneers go down and score a touchdown. The pa- The Packers lost that game 38-10. to 10. Andrew, just in 10 or less words, what's going on with the Packers? Yeah, fine, I think it's obvious. The Packers aren't bad. The Buccaneers are good. They are so good. Going into the season, everyone, every single person said they are so good. They got Len Fournette. They have an amazing run game behind Len Fournette. They have an amazing passing game behind Tom Brady and Chris Godwin and Rob Gronkowski. But, hey, that's not what's going on. Their defense has stepped up. Their defense is so good. And on this topic, while I am thinking of it, there's some huge news regarding a guy who Ryan has told you a story about, who I believe none of you probably remember. His name? Antonio Brown. Yep, the crazy man. He has done some really crazy thing in his life. Cryo-freezing his feet, jumping into his pool after he got dropped, and committing over 15 crimes, which is crazy. But Antonio Brown, after ending his suspension after this week, has been signed by an NFL team, and that team is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady, the Buccaneers quarterback, told his coach, we need to get this guy. I want Antonio Brown. And the team said, well, you're Tom Brady, so we'll go get you Antonio Brown. And they did. Antonio Brown will probably be playing for the Buccaneers, not this week in Week 7, not the next week in Week 8, but maybe in Week 9. So watch out. Also, for the Eagles, Zach Ertz and Miles Sanders are starting tight end and starting running back. Both got injured. Andrew Ertz will be out for four weeks. Sanders is out for two weeks. They already had their number one wide receiver Alshon Jeffrey injured. Their number two wide receiver just came back, Deshaun Jackson, but will miss the rest of the season. Their star wide receiver, who they drafted, Jalen Rager, has not played a game yet. Their backup tight end is injured. Their entire defense is injured. Andrew. What is going on with the Eagles? Well, yeah, I have to say that the Eagles may just be the Yankees of football. Every single guy gets injured. But sorry for the Eagles fans. You guys do not have that money. You guys do not have the backups. I feel bad for any Eagles fans right now. The only way of hope that you can have is that Carson Wentz, their quarterback, is looking decent. Their backup quarterback, who they took in the second round last year, Jalen Hurts, has looked pretty decent at times. So I'd say there is still a way of hope that you could win that really, really easy NFC East Division, or as I call it, the NFC at least. And just remember that yeah, they have only won two games. But they're still in first place. The Eagles are in first place right now. Yeah. That's pretty sad. But Eagles fans, you are in first. Yeah. Well, at least they're in first. And also, the um the Cleveland Browns played the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they stunk. They lost 38 to 7 No one for the Browns had a good game. And Baker Mayfield, for the Browns, he had a small rib injury. He will play this week, but we're not sure what happened. And I just want to, Andrew, I just want to spotlight the Chicago Bears. They've looked amazing. I mean, like, they have a top-five defense in the entire NFL. Their offense is shining. Their defensive acquisition a couple years ago, Khalil Mack, who last year was terrible, has looked great. Andrew, do you think the Bears can keep this up? Personally, I do. Obviously, they haven't played the bulk of the teams they're going to play this season, but I still think the Bears will be great. Some other NFL takeaways, quite hours later, had a great game for the Chiefs last week as the Chiefs took down the Bills and proved that he is better than Le'Veon Bell. I, I, I believe Le'Veon Bell will play this week, so we'll get to see how the Chiefs like to use those guys. The 49ers have more injuries as their first and second-string running backs, Raheem Monster and Talon Coleman, are out this week. And the fourth-string running back, and Jeff Wilson, Jack McKinnon, the former Viking, will get the start. Vine, this week there's a great game between the Titans and the Steelers. Vine, both teams are 5-0. Vine, what do you think is going to happen in this pivotal game? Well, I think the Titans' great offense and the Steelers' great defense kind of offset to become equal. But the Steelers' offense is much better than the Titans' defense. So, I've got to give this one to the Steelers. But we'll definitely predict this at the end of the episode. But right now, I just want to spotlight the Miami Dolphins. Last week, they played the Jets. And they played great. They're 3-3. Three and three. They're in second place in a great division. And you would think, oh, well, there's no way they're going to put in rookie quarterback Tua Tangelaivoa over Fitz Magic. But, Andrew, the Dolphins are starting Tua Tangelaivoa, who almost everyone thought would not play a snap this year. Andrew, I believe in our first episode of All Twin Talk of Men, we discussed who they should start week one. And they decide with, to go with Fitz Magic. But now... It's Tua time! What's going on? Yeah, Ryan, in my opinion, this is not a smart move. Don't get me wrong. Tua did go into the game last week, and I want to tell you that he had an amazing time. He proved that he should have been the number one pick, but he ended up throwing two passes. Yeah, he did go two for two for like nine yards, but sorry, not sure that's better than Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing for an average of about 250 yards per game and about two touchdowns per game. Fitzpatrick, I'm so... I mean, yeah, you're old. You knew you were going to lose the job, but you did everything you could. Now, let's get to some teams that haven't won and some teams that haven't lost. The only remaining teams that haven't won are the New York Jets. Yes, that is correct. The Giants did win, and that also means the Falcons did beat the Vikings. But We'll talk about that in a minute. The Jets have not won a game yet. They are 0 6 We'll see if they can turn around this week, but my chances are they will never win again. And some teams that have not lost yet, the Seattle Seahawks had a bye last week, so they are still 5-0. As we said, the Titans and Steelers are both also 5-0. Yeah, those teams are very good. Lucky you if you're a fan of those teams. Now, let's get to the Vikings. As I just said, we did lose to the Falcons last week, and you might say, uh... Hopefully it was close, but no, no, it was not. Our defense was terrible. But you might say, oh, okay, Falcons have a horrible defense. And, you know, we had Alexander Madison, and not as good as Cook, but still pretty good. Uh, that would be incorrect. Alexander Madison got about 26 yards last week on 10 carries. Yeah, he did not have a good game. Although, our rookie wide receiver, Justin Jefferson, was out of his mind last week. I believe he had 115, maybe 120 yards. He had a great game. I'm um, scored a touchdown. Kirk Cousins did throw for three touchdowns, so you might say, oh, great job, Cousins. He also threw three interceptions. In the first half, we cannot win with three interceptions against one of the most high-powered offenses in the league. And, Andrew, after the game, when our reporter asked Cousins... Well, what's going to happen if you keep throwing three interceptions? Cousins said, that's unacceptable. If I keep doing that, I may lose my job. And he might get benched. Don't get me wrong. I do not think Cousins will get benched for just throwing three picks. He's going to have to do a lot worse to get benched for for Sean Mannion and Nate Stanley. But I have to say that Cousins was unacceptable. His performance was just terrible. Vine, we all know that Cousins has not been great this season, but another person that fans put a lot of blame on is our coach, Mike Zimmer. Vine, which do you think will happen first? Zimmer will get fired or Cousins will get benched? Personally, I'd say both have about a 20% chance of happening after last week's performance. But personally, I think we're closer to Mike Zimmer getting fired. I mean, don't get me wrong, Cousins hasn't looked great, but the problem is the options behind him are even worse. Don't get me wrong, Zimmer hasn't looked great. But the options behind him aren't actually that bad. I mean, we have a pretty solid offensive coordinator. And there are tons of great offensive, and there are tons of great coaches that we could go get. So personally, I think Zimmer, I don't know. Now, I'm not saying he's gone. I just think it's a good question to ask. And I think we'll probably revisit this next week, the week after that, and maybe even the week after that. Because it's a good question that that we think you should know. Now, let's get to the Timberwolves. Now, right now, a lot of guys, the Timberwolves, are really thinking about the NBA draft. Andrew, what do you know? Yeah, we'll well, the Timberwolves, first, we we're going with Anthony Evans. Then, they moved over to LaMelo Ball. Then, they moved over to trading the pick for Ben Simmons. Then, for about maybe five minutes, they were going to trade the pick for Devin Booker. But, now, the biggest thing is the Indiana Pacers have said they would love to get the number one pick and take Obi Toppin. They have said they are really want to get a trade down. Where they give us DeMontis Sabonis. Or Victor Oladipo. But they would also be open to give up Miles Turner. All of those guys are great. But Vine, let's discuss, just real fast. Which one of those guys do we really want? Well, those three guys are all very different. Let's start with Victor Oladipo. He is a great young shooting guard. Who has had some injuries, but is a great offensive player. They also have great power forward DeMonte Sabonis, who was an all-star and has looked really great on defense. And they also have star center, and I mean star center, Miles Turner, who's probably a top five, maybe top fan for being generous, center in the entire NBA. Now, there are only 30 centers, but Turner is one of the elite. Now, is probably the best, and Sabonis is probably the worst. But, obviously, we're looking at the price, And in my eyes, we should go after Sabonis, because... We need a power forward who can play defense and play a little bit of center when Cat fouls out. So I like Sabanis, but if not, Turner. Andrew, just tell me which one is your favorite. Personally, I like Oladipo. Yeah, he doesn't exactly fit the bill, but I feel like these injuries are just lowering his stock, and I think he could be a top five player in the league. Yeah, Andrew, now a lot of people have said the Timberwolves might go get power forward slash center out of Dayton University Obi topping in the draft in number one. Shall we do this, and why? In my opinion, no. Don't get me wrong. He does play power forward, which we do need, but he's more of an offensive guy, and he doesn't really play like a big man. He is shorter than probably just about every single power forward in the league, and he is a great player, but he more plays like a small forward or even a shooting goad. He is great, but I do not think we should take him. Now, let's move on to the Twins. Vine, we know that for the past two seasons, we've made the pass, but been swept in the first round. Vine, for next season, what are you expecting from this Twins? Just like every single year, I'm expecting one playoff win. We need to prove that we can do it in the postseason. And we have not proven that. Don't get me wrong. Next season, I'm not saying we should win the World Series. I don't think we have a good chance to. I'm not saying we should go to the American League Championship Series. I'm not saying that either. But i just like to get that one playoff win. I mean... If we start Maeda, how can we lose with Maeda? He's giving up, like, one run over 11 innings. How can we lose with him? We need him, and I think we just need one playoff win. Andrew, what's your expectations for the Twins next year? But, just to be honest, I don't think that's going to happen. Personally, the exact same thing. Don't get me wrong. I love winning 110 games in a normal MLB season. I would love... To get first place in our division by 10 games. But I don't care if we go undefeated in the regular season. We need to win a playoff game. I don't even care if we lose the first, let's say it's the best out of five. If we lose the first two games, win the next one on a walk-off bunch or something. I just want that win. Just the one. I don't care if it's a nine-game series and we're down four to one. I know there's not a nine-game series, but I'm just rambling. I just want that one win for the Twins. Now, Vine, real fast, before we get to your great, great story, for, before we get to another sport, Vine, do you think that Rocco Baldelli, the Twins manager, is our guy going forward, or do you think the only place he can lead us is to a division victory and nowhere else? Well, personally, I do think he is the guy going forward. Don't wrong. He's probably not the guy long-term. Like, I do think in the next five years, we should probably switch it up a bit. But he's been very good. He's developing our great young talent I think he's making very smart decisions on when to take our pitchers out. He knows we have a good bullpen. He knows our starting pitchers aren't great. I think he normally picks the right guy to start each game, but there are some questionable decisions that have been costly. But overall, I do think Baldelli's done the best he can, and I think he's the right man for the job. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Now, here is something new that we're introducing. Yeah, we do usually just like talk about professional sports, but Ryan and I, If we are taking interest in college football over the last couple years, we cannot not we cannot notice the Gophers' great season last year in college football when they had that amazing record. And then loot. Now, yesterday was the Gophers' first game. We knew it'd be a hard one against Michigan, who has been one of the best teams over the last couple of decades. Ryan, we didn't have we didn't have big expectations. We were pretty sure we were going to lose. But, man, what happened? Well, we were doing terrible. But not at the start. At the start of the game. Michigan gets the ball. They start off with a huge penalty that sets them back far. Gophers get a stop. And when Michigan punts, the Gophers block it and go down and score a touchdown. This is looking great. should be a great game. Michigan comes down, scores a touchdown. Gophers get the ball. Okay, go down score a field goal. Michigan goes down, scores a touchdown. Gophers fumble the ball into the end zone. Michigan picks it up for a touchdown. Okay. We're down by 11 points. We're down 21 to 10. It's okay. Go down. Punt. Michigan goes down. Gets a touchdown. I'm not lying about this. We were terrible. We ended up losing 49 to 25. The Gophers. Andrew. What happened last year? We played so well. And this year... We looked so bad. But yeah, last year, just to keep this quick, because I really want to hear Ryan's story, we lost a lot of good guys to the draft. We lost two fifth-round picks, a seventh-round pick, and a couple guys that went undrafted, but especially our second-round safety, Anton Winfield Jr., who, might I add, is amazing for the Buccaneers, and we also lost a couple good guys on offense. Our starting running back, Ronnie Smith, went undrafted. Our top wide receiver, Tyler Johnson, went to the Buccaneers, who... I might add, got his first touchdown last week, yes, he'll probably never play a snap again because of Antonio Brown, but hey, he got that touchdown, that's one more touchdown than the Twins have ever won in the playoffs in the last decade. Now, I just feel like our defense needs to get better, but, Ryan. We do have a top-level wide receiver this year and a pretty good quarterback. We just need Tara Morgan and Rashad Bateman to get on the same page. And I believe if they can do that, we can easily beat Maryland next week. Yep, we'll have to see what happens against Maryland. Now, let's move on to my story. This is an amazing story. This guy's name is Dak Prescott. Dak was born in Louisiana in 1993. In high school, the coaches realized for football he had a magical arm. He could throw the ball downfield very accurately. In 2011, Dak received a scholarship to Mississippi State College football team, where he was the backup quarterback. In 2012, Dak came into a few games and shined. He shined like a diamond. That's part of a song, but he really shined like a diamond. But He sat back down on the bench to start the 2013 season, but after a concussion to the starter, Dak took over and was the starter for good. Dak dominated. He would chuck passes all over the field and get long touchdowns consistently, even though he was so young, he looked like he was so good. Sadly, in November of 2013... Dak's mother, Peggy, passed away from colon cancer. Dak was devastated, loving his mother very much. And in 2014, as the full-time starter, he led the team to a 10-2 record. In that season, he led the team to a number one overall seed in the country for just a week. But Dak was incredible that year, breaking tons of school records, and was the player of the week in college five out of 12 weeks. In 2015, in his final year, he turned it up a notch, being an incredible college quarterback and having some NFL draft capital. At the end of that season, he registered for the NFL draft. People thought he would be decent in the NFL, but had no chance to end up being that good. But the Dallas Cowboys were looking for a young quarterback to develop behind their star, quarterback Tony Romo. They wanted many young guys that weren't Dak, but they couldn't get them. So they took Dak in the fourth round, who they thought would, in many, many years be okay, but lucky for them, they were incredibly wrong. After a couple of injuries and outperforming some backups, Dak won the backup job to Tony Romo, and Dak started all of the preseason games just to get some practice. Dak was amazing and continued to have the backup job, and in week three of the preseason, star quarterback Tony Romo was just taking a couple fun snaps and a gruesome, terrible injury that kept him out 10 weeks and who was the backup fourth round rookie, Dak Prescott, the guy that no one thought could do it. People were saying, ah, just throw the season away. Don't even put that guy on the field. But Dak, he went on the field. And in the first game, he got 227 passing yards, which is pretty good. In all of his first five games, he had between 220 and 300 yards, which is pretty good. But Dak was okay, but his team was so good. Listen to this. His number one wide receiver was Dez Bryant, who was one of the best wide receivers in NFL history. Dak threw him the ball every time. Also, Dak had an incredible team around him. His running back, Ezekiel Elliott, who right now is one of the best running backs in the entire NFL. They also had a great wide receiving core with Dez Bryant, star tight end Jason Wynn, and a great wide receiver named Cole Beasley. They also had an incredible offensive line. They had the number one center, the guy who snaps the ball to Dak, the number one offensive guard, the guy who plays right next to the center, and the number two offensive tackle, the guy who plays on the outside of the offensive line. They had the number one offensive line in the entire NFL, a top five running back, and the number one wide receiver in the entire NFL. And all those toys were at Dak's disposal. He would just just hand the ball to guys and get praised for doing nothing. He was amazing and not just that. He led the team to a great season. And he led them to the playoffs. But after a first but after but in the first round they lost. Dak was named rookie of the year and the 14th best player in the entire NFL in 2017. Dak continued to surge, having a great performance in week 1, but he struggled a little bit for the rest of the season, and the Cowboys found themselves at 5-3. and Dak continued to be okay, but the Cowboys found out star running back Ezekiel Elliott would be suspended for 8 games due to off-field reasons. And that left Dak having to throw many times. And if, he, and if you only asked him to throw 10 times, oh, he could be great. But 40 times, he was struggling. They asked him to complete 30 out of 40 passes. He wasn't prepared for that, and he struggled. They missed the playoffs. There were people who wanted to see him benched. The city of Dallas turned on him. People thought it was all Dak's fault, and it kind of was. In 2018, it was more of the same with Dak. Also, they lost their star wide receiver, Des Bryant, and they needed a new guy. They acquired star, star wide receiver Amari Cooper from the Oakland Raiders in return for a couple of draft picks. The Cowboys finished the season with a solid 10-6 and record, thanks to a decent year for Dak, but overall not that great. That continued to struggle with the interceptions, but loved having Amari Cooper, who was incredible. In seven games, he had 800 receiving yards, which is nuts. In seven touchdowns. Last season, in 2019, in the NFL, through 16 games, the number one guy had nine touchdowns in 16 games. Amari Cooper had seven touchdowns in seven games. That's crazy. The Cowboys were the number four seed in the playoffs barely winning their division. In the first game, they played the Seahawks. It's going to be a tough matchup. And Dak played so great, they won. But in the next game, they lost to the Rams. In 2019, Dak threw many passes for many yards, but also a decent amount of interceptions. The Cowboys really struggled, and just some things that happened. And, and sometimes they really showed their true identity. In Week 5, he had 470 passing yards and three touchdowns, but threw two interceptions, and they lost 24-34. to and in he threw three he threw four hundred and sixty three yards but lost. And in the next game on Sunday night football versus the Vikings he threw four hundred yards in two touchdowns, but lost the Vikings twenty four twenty eight. The Cowboys missed the playoffs. Coming into this year the twenty twenty NFL season things got terrible for Dak. On April twenty third of this year, just a couple of months ago, Dak got a call that his brother Jace, Jace Prescott, had committed suicide. Dak was devastated. Dak and his brother had been very close. There was a soup commercial with Dak and his brothers, who looked jokey and fun, loving. Dak was in line for a new contract this year and a big one at that. The team said no, but they said if Dak played well for the whole year, they would pay him and pay him well. And in the draft this year, the Cowboys got a great wide receiver named CeeDee Lamb, who helped Dak a lot. And Dak played insanely well this year to start the season. Through the first couple of games, the Cowboys and Dak Played pretty well. But their offensive line got really injured. Almost every single guy got injured. Then, in week five, just two weeks ago, against the New York Giants, Dak was running. He was running. When a Giants defender got his leg tangled up with Dak's ankle and twisted it terribly. Dak was laying on the field. It was a sad scene. He was laying on the field in anguish and agony. He sat on the field sobbing. Not like a baby, but like a leader. His closest teammates sat around him silently in solidarity. While the medical staff came out to examine him, the stadium was silent. Yes, there weren't any people, but it was still silent. Dak immediately knew he had a bad ankle injury and would miss a long time. He was devastated. His team knew it immediately, too. It was heartbreaking for everyone, knowing that Dak had been doing so well and he needed to finish the year strong, but couldn't to earn the big deal that he was looking for. His Dak was lifted onto the cart, sobbing. He held a towel in his mouth, which he was screaming into from pain and anger. He had done everything the team asked him to do. He had filled in when no one thought he could do it. People would call for him to be benched. And where were those people when he was dominating? They wanted the team wanted Dak to prove he deserved the deal, and he deserved it. His teammates put their heads on Dak's stomach and sobbed. He was their rock, he was their leader. After all. Dak had been after all Dak had been through, and this is what came of it. Dak was immediately rushed to the nearest hospital and had the surgery to repair his fractured ankle. After the Cowboys game, many players ran to the hospital, but all were turned away because of coronavirus concerns. But once Dak left the hospital, his teammates rallied around him. Dak has started the road to recovery and should be able to play game one next season. And when you are talking about the Cowboys, as the old saying goes, how about them Cowboys? Now, Andrew, her's birthday is it? Yeah, definitely turning the table a lot. Thank you, Ryan, for that great story about a great quarterback. Now, here's something that I hope will definitely lighten the mood. Today is the birthday of one of... Pretty decent pitcher in the MLB right now. Not 100% sure. If you're retired, he is very old. His name is Francisco Liriano. Sound familiar? Probably not, but if you're a Twins fan, he may. He pitched for the Twins at the beginning of his career, and he was very talented. But then he kind of started to drop off, moved around a little, played for the Pirates, played for the Phillies, played for the Blue Jays. He was all right, but a very funny story. In the summer of, uh, in the winter of 2013, he um, was at his house with his kids, and it was just and it was Christmas morning for him, and he wanted to act like Santa Claus had just left his house, so he went into his bathroom, and he wanted to make some noise, and just to add, he is left-handed, and he started banging on the door, as if Santa Claus had just left or came, but then after that, his arm felt really weird, so he went to the hospital. And he realized, he broke his arm while banging on the door. That's right. That is one of the stupidest, in my opinion, stupidest ways to get an injury for a sports player. You didn't throw out your arm or the ball didn't hit it. You did it while banging a door pretending to be Sam. And he was also one of the best players in the MVP and it kept him out of games. Yeah, luckily it was in December and usually spring training doesn't start so until at least February or March, but still, USA Today wrote an article about the top five worst or stupidest ways to get an injury for sports players, and he was number one on that list. Yeah, luckily, Luriano has still had a great career and is a great person, but just remember, if you're pretending to be Santa Claus, how about you kick the door instead of break your arm and... Trying to be Santa Claus. Yeah. Now, Saturday, we're almost done with our podcast. So, you need to remember those words that Andrew just said. Also, remember, in the NFL, there is a little bit of coronavirus news. The Raiders offensive line has some coronavirus news, but they all should be ready today. And the Packers star running back Aaron Jones will not play today. Same with the Bengals star running back Joe Mixon. And before we end, I just remember this. I probably should have said at the beginning. But if you remember, I'd say maybe about one or two months ago, our good friend Caden E was on a podcast couple of times, and he was here talking about baseball, and if you vaguely remember his podcast, Destination Baseball, we had an interview with Ryan and me on it, he just made another episode to tell us exactly what's going on in the MLB, so if you remember it, you don't have to, because the MLB's almost over, but I listened, to, and it's a great podcast, so I'll definitely listen to the next episode of Destination Baseball. Yeah, now again, the Dodgers and Rays are tied 2-2 in the World Series, tonight is Game 5, you better watch, In the NBA... NBA draft is coming up in about a month. So we'll make sure to tell you next week and in the NFL. Again, a couple of injuries, but let's see how the Chiefs play this week with Levy on Bell in. And Antonio Brown is on the Buccaneers. We'll see how that ends up. And you need to listen to our podcast next week because we know you love it. And I will have a great story. And Andrew have a great birthday. And again, you're listening to Twin Talk MA.